You're tuning into the Real Estate Diversification Podcast, hosted by trusted and experienced real estate attorneys who are also seasoned real estate investors themselves. Are you ready to explore unique real estate investing opportunities? Ready to learn about emerging trends and new ideas? Your hosts will help you understand the practical and legal complexities of a myriad of real estate investments so that you can maximize your potential and achieve financial freedom. Now, listen in and get ready to learn. Get ready to learn. Welcome back, Red Podcast Nation. In this episode, we're going to talk about investing in office properties. I'd just like to give you a little bit of background about myself and why I'm the person that's presenting today on the Red Podcast. Uh, my background, I'm a, my name is Jay Heck. I'm a lawyer. I've been a lawyer for 25 years. Uh, <clears throat> between 2009 and 2019, I was the legal counsel on about $3 million sorry, 3 million square feet of office property leasing. Uh, so I've seen a lot of office leases and uh, hopefully my experience will uh, be useful for you, you today. So as we start off, we ask, well, why invest in office properties? And that easy answer to that. Why do you invest in anything? Why do you invest in stocks, bonds, commodities, or other types of real estate? Uh, their answer is because of the return on your money uh, and in real estate, uh, including office properties that principally comes across in, in uh, four ways. The, uh, the first advantage to investing in real estate is cash flow, right? The, you'll hopefully, if everything's done right, the rents will be greater than your expenses and <clears throat> there'll be something left over at the end of the day. Uh, that's generally what's known as real estate investors as cash flow. Um, so our uh, folks that aren't in real estate, just think of that as profit. Um, the second advantage of investing in real estate is the depreciation or the tax benefits. Although if you purchase real estate and you do it correctly, it should actually appreciate in value. Uh, the uh, IRS actually lets you claim that the property depreciates in value that it wears out over time. And because of that, you can take uh, a certain amount of depreciation each year. And that uh, amount offsets your income. And this is something that's unique to real estate. Um, so uh, a lot of investors, uh, before they start investing in real estate, they don't realize the, the uh, advantage of the depreciation and the depreciation is just sort of like the cherry on the top of the Sunday. And um, there's also a certain thing known as bonus depreciation. And if you're an investor in real estate, you may already know what bonus depreciation is. That's probably a topic for a whole nother show. But um, if you are currently a real estate investor and you don't know what bonus depreciation is, you should have a discussion with your, your tax preparer and they can educate you on that. But that's uh, tremendous advantage um, that's available to you that, that's, that's, that's an accelerated form of depreciation. Um, the third reason, and we just touched upon that uh, briefly, that you invest in real estate is for appreciation. So we're currently in an inflationary cycle. Uh, the value of assets are going up, uh, including real estate assets. Of course, 
rents and costs and so forth are going up as well. But uh, with the appreciation, that's your inflation hedge. That's your offset against inflation. So um, as the price of things go up, the price of real estate goes up. Um, you know, if you purchase commodities like gold or silver, they may or may not go up with inflation. Uh, <clears throat> but generally, real estate assets are expected to appreciate. And that's assuming that you've done everything correctly and you have a well-located, good property. Um, the fourth reason that you invest in real estate, including office properties, is leverage, which is also known as you know, ability to borrow or OPM, which stands for other people's money. Uh, real estate assets, uh, lenders will actually loan you money to purchase the property. And then you pay the lender back with the income off of the property. Um, that, that's unusual to real estate. Um, and because you can borrow a great deal, if you're buying stocks on margin, you're probably not going to get the kind of leverage that you can get in real estate. The other nice thing about leverage in real estate is if, uh, and particularly office properties or other types of commercial properties, is that you can do syndications. That means you can bring in partners um, and they can put in an equity piece into the deal. And it doesn't have to be all of your own money. Yes, there needs to be, typically there needs to be money down, but it doesn't necessarily need to be your money um, as the person who sourced the deal. <laughs> and uh, the fifth reason uh, that, it, and this is kind of unique to office properties, but also other types of commercial real estate. And we're, we're going to do other podcasts on other types of commercial real estate. So stay tuned. Uh, the, uh, there's a, a stability in the commercial leases that you typically don't see. For example, if you're an investor in residential leases, residential leases are typically uh, one year, maybe 18 months. Sometimes they're less than a year. Tenants, um, you know, once their lease is expired, they're free to leave and move on. If they find a slightly better deal somewhere down the road uh, and their expenses to move are not that great, they might just decide, well, I'm, I'm leaving here and I'm going to this, this other uh, apartment or townhouse or residence that uh, where the rent's just slightly cheaper or the amenities are just slightly better. With commercial leases, typically your leases are five years in length. Uh, sometimes they're 10 years in length. And then often they have options to renew to where the, the lease term may be many, many years. And of course, if you're a business and you have an established location, folks know who you are, where you're at, how to find you. You don't want to go moving around. It's not that important when, when it's a residence. The people that you know will be able to probably be able to find you and you can let them know. But if they lose track of you as a business lo location, particularly if they're not yet a client or a customer, uh, then they may just think you've gone out of business. So the, the continuity is a big advantage to office properties and, and some other types of commercial leases. Now, all of that being said, office properties are probably not a, a first-time investor uh, opportunity. The, there's complexities in it. Uh, the, it. It's different than residential, but I would say the exception to that is probably small businesses that are intending to purchase the location where they where they're at. So if you're a you're a tenant in a four unit office property, uh, 
and you you're you've got a good running business it's established you've been there it's probably a good idea to consider purchasing the building that you're in in fact i recall reading many years ago uh, an article that talked about in small business owners who had done just that purchased the property that they're in and their businesses uh, if they didn't have a transition plan in place if they were just going to sell to a third party their uh, multiples on their earnings that they received when they sold their business were higher than those that did not own their location that just sort of makes sense it, it's a it's a more stable situation and that's not just because of the real estate they got they got a higher valuation on the business portion of their business and they were able to sell the real estate at mar market value and so um, it, it like it just creates this business synergy and that's attractive to a, to a purchaser or a subsequent owner. Okay, uh, you've decided that you want to make the leap. Uh, you maybe have invested in other types of real estate, um, and uh, now you're going to invest in office properties, or maybe you are a first-time uh, uh, real estate investor, and but you just decided that you you know office or office is, is for some reason is particularly attractive to you, and you want to own office properties. It's essential that you assemble a team to assist you, uh, unless you can do all of these things um, yourself. And almost no one has all of these skills uh, solely by themselves. I mean, there are a few exceptional people perhaps out there that can do all of these, but um, most of us would need assistance. And you probably thought the first thing that I was going to tell you was that you need a good real estate attorney. Um, that's true, but um, the the what I think is probably the most important is a relationship with a lender because uh, you're not, most real estate investors are not just going to reach in their pocket and pay cash for the property. Um, you lose out on the, uh, you lose out on the leverage advantage. Uh, <clears throat> and plus most, most folks just don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars um, or even tens of thousands of dollars in cash that they can lay out. So, if you have an establishment with a lender, um, you're off to a good start. Um, you want to make sure that that lender lends on the type of properties that you're you're interested in purchasing. In this case, office properties. Um, you would like to know that they have some sort of experience. It's uh, probably good if you haven't spoken to spoken to them. You, well, you need to speak to them no matter what and ask them. You know, do they have experience lending in these type of properties? What type of loan to value ratios? Uh, will they lend? Um, do they keep these loans in-house? Uh, do they sell them? If they sell those loans, probably not a lot of room to negotiate the, the loan documents. If they keep them in-house, more of a chance that, that you might be able to negotiate some of the terms on the loan documents. And I'm talking legal terms uh, other than financial terms. Obviously, the, the financial terms are also subject to negotiation. So, you know, you want to know um, can you get a fixed rate loan? Can you, uh, can you, it, will it be a, a flexible rate loan? Uh, if it adjusts, uh, when would it adjust? Are there caps or there ceilings, uh, annual caps, uh, lifetime ceilings on, on loans, things such as that now. Okay. So that's the first member of your team. The second member of your team is indeed a good real estate attorney who can walk you through the legal aspects of the transaction. You want to ask them similar sorts of questions. What kind of experience do you have in this area? Have you, have you uh, 
you know, dealt with commercial real estate generally, um, because most of the principles that are applicable to office properties would be applicable to other types of commercial real estate as well, um, and, and just gauge their experience. Uh, the third uh, member of your team that you're going to need is a real estate broker, okay? And that's going to be to source properties, and it's also going to be to poten potentially to lease the properties if you have vacancies. Uh, a real estate broker, a good real estate broker is worth their weight in gold. Uh, the fourth member of your team that I suggest that you have is a property manager. And unless you intend to manage the day-to-day -day operations of the property yourself, a good property manager, also incredibly valuable. And so they're gonna take the calls when the pilot light goes out on the furnace or that the water heater is not heating the water, uh, maintenance calls, repairs, uh, problems, they're going to handle it and then they'll report back to you when you, same sort of thing, uh, if, when selecting a property manager, probably wanna go in and quiz them, you know, what's their experience handling the type of property that you intend to purchase or have purchased. Uh, and then, you know, how, how does their fee arrangement work? Uh, the, uh, and, and just dig into that uh, questions with property manager and uh, they'll make your life so much easier um, with a good property manager. The fifth member of your team, I suggest, is you have a, either a, a CPA or a tax professional who's familiar with the ins and outs of real estate. We talked about the depreciation and the bonus depreciation. Um, a good tax professional should understand that, be able to prepare your tax returns and make sure that you take advantage of all the tax benefits that are there uh, with investing in real estate. Uh, the sixth, and what I have as the final member of your team, although you may decide that you need to add more folks to the team, these are, these are the core folks that you're going to need. Uh, the sixth and final is your insurance agent. Uh, the insurance agent is your risk manager, helps you uh, make sure that if there's a casualty, that, it's, that the problems are addressed, the properties repaired, put back in service. And then your insurance agent can also help you plan. Uh, do you need a high deductible, a low deductible? What's your level of risk that you're willing to take on? And that can, of course, can affect your uh, insurance rates and your premiums. And so, uh, and a good insurance agent will be able to work through those issues with you. Moving on. Now I want to address just some of the, talk about some of the different types of office real estate. Uh, the first category would be the quality of the property. And generally that's broken down in the industry. And these are sort of fuzzy terms that uh, don't have strict definitions, but they basically classify office properties into A properties, B properties, and C properties. A properties are your high line, premium location, uh, national tenants, big floor plates, uh, the, uh, glass and steel, um, or, you know, uh, quality uh, appearing exterior. And uh, the, and so mostly this is, this is about appearance, but, and also function. And then inside they have high-speed internet access and um, the ability to handle the 
the uh, the office tenants needs so things such as electrical and so forth. Um, B B quality properties they're like the A properties only sort of less so. They're uh, they'll be their their appearance is not quite as nice. Their location perhaps not quite as good, but they function much the same as an A property. And going back to the A property, A property is a show place, right? Um, place where uh, you receive customers and clients and, um, and you can show the world, hey, I've arrived, I'm in, this, I'm in this high quality office building and oftentimes up on an upper floor. And as the, of course, as the, as the uh, level above sea level rises of your property, the, the rents typically go up because you get the quality views and, the, and it's uh, very impressive. Uh, so we've talked about A and B. The C properties, as you probably can guess, they're the lower quality properties. They're typically older. They might be in neighborhoods or areas which were once fashionable, um, but are not so much or not at all any longer. Uh, they may have uh, strange floor plates or floor plans or uh, structural members that interfere with the operation of the property. They just, they're just older typically, and they function a little bit different. They're not, they're not what everyone is out there craving, looking for, and hoping to find. And of course, most tenants want to find a, uh, an A or a B property for, for a C property price. Um, <clears throat> but there's still lots of opportunities out there in C properties, particularly those that have been neglected and there's an opportunity to add some value, um, C properties can be extremely profitable and also provide a lower price point entry. And then talking about types of properties, then there's also the distinguished by the type of structure that we're talking about. You can have uh, single tenant properties and those can be small or large, but oftentimes you have a, a single tenant building um, that, and you, there, there are office parks that are composed of, of single tenant buildings with individual ownership. And, uh, but you're sort of limited there um, on your opportunities because it's designed and built for a single tenant. In fact, it may be a building that was built to suit for, for a specific tenant at the time it was constructed. Uh, different type of office property are strip properties. And you've probably all seen those. They look very much like a strip retail center, only they have tenants and typical tenant in a strip re strip property, which is kind of a hybrid between a retail setting and, a, and an office setting, but uh, insurance agents, real estate brokerages, uh, dental practices perhaps, and, and uh, maybe some other health professions, but uh, it, it's just a multi-unit building, typically one story and, um, and and but it's more, more than one space. And then uh, another type of office property is what's called a low rise property or a garden property. And that's, it's a dedicated office building, but it's, uh, it's one to three stories. And that's basically the, the, what determines that it's low rise. Then there are mid-rise properties. And once again, here, the definitions on these gets a little fuzzy, but mid-rise is over three stories. And then what the upper end of the mid-rise property is, is that's where it's kind of fuzzy. And then the last category is the high-rise property. So that's the glass and steel 
high-rise office building in a downtown location um, that's, that's in a, a dense neighborhood of similar type buildings. You don't usually see these out in the distant suburbs or exurbs or small towns. And, and so, you know, the, you would make the selection of, you know, what type of property that you intend to target or perhaps what type of property is available. Um, the, the beginning investor or the novice investor probably looking at one of those first two or three types, probably not looking at a, at a mid-rise office building or a high-rise office building unless you have very deep pockets. And then when you're deciding that you, you've made the decision, you're going to make the leap, you're, you're, you're in the process of selecting a property, it's, it's important that you do your, your analysis. And there's three types of analysis. The first type, of course, is financial. Um, if it's an existing building with existing tenants, um, you're going to want to review the leases. Um, they're going to need to be abstracted for all the financial information. And of course, the most important thing on that is the rents. Uh, uh, the, the, what rent is the tenant paying? What is, are there uh, opportunities to raise the rents or do the rents uh, increase annually? Uh, all of that goes into your financial equation. Then in the leases, look for things that can be passed through. And uh, unlike residential leases, uh, most commercial leases or many commercial leases are what we call triple net leases, or at least some sort of a modified net lease. And what that means is the landlord or the owner has the opportunity to pass through the expenses of operating the property. So the, the rent is one category and it's typically fixed, or at least it, it uh, changes with, uh, in a, on a determinable basis, like we talked about uh, annual rent increases or an, uh, annual rent increases. And um, then there's a separate category and that's the, what are called triple nets or pass-throughs. So paving the parking lot, uh, uh, replacing carpet, painting the walls, anything that's done to the common area typically, and the common area is the area that's not occupied by the tenants. Those are going to show up on the pass-throughs, and those costs are, are go past, as it sounds, passed straight through to the tenant, also things like taxes and insurance. So the, so, um, the, the tenants bear those costs. They also bear the risk that those things will increase, and as the landlord you can collect that steady rent payment. The uh, residential leases are typically gross leases and the, the landlord bears all the risk of the cost on that, right? The landlord pays for their own insurance, the landlord pays for the taxes and the rent is set at the beginning and doesn't adjust until the lease expires. And so if, if the, those costs increase, the landlord has to pay those themselves and, and without the ability to pass those on. Uh, then part of your financial analysis, you also want to look at the tenants. And important thing about the tenants is what kind of credit do the tenants have? And we're talking about businesses here, um, generally, rather than individuals. And so sometimes there are credit reporting bureaus, if it's a big national tenant, and some big national tenants, at least small spaces, uh, the, uh, the, if it's a big national tenant, they're publicly traded, uh, there's 
more than one recording bureau, uh, Standard & Poor's, Dun & Bradstreet, Moody's can all give you uh, a picture of the that potential or, or, or actual tenant's credit and to help you make your decisions. If it's a small tenant, a mom and pop or a local business with a single location, uh, you want to dig into the, that tenant's financials. Uh, <clears throat> and it's something to consider if you're going to be leasing to small tenants and uh, they don't have, the business is thinly capitalized, doesn't have a lot of resources. You may be looking to get a personal guarantee from the uh, principal of the business. And that's uh, not unusual. It's very typical in a, in a mom and pop business situation. Then as a second part of your analysis would be the physical analysis. And so that's what you would think of as an inspection, uh, someone to come in and take a look at the property and tell you if it's structurally sound. Also, you'd want to look with an eye on is it does it function as a modern building? Does it have high-speed data connections or the ability to add it? Um, is the electrical system able to bear up to the, the use of the tenants? Uh, some, what we think of as office tenants, like uh, medical facilities, uh, health-related businesses, uh, they may have significant electrical requirements that, that an older property might, just might not have. And then also as part of your physical analysis, uh, the, the traffic counts, the visibility of the building, access to the building, in, ingress and egress, also such things as signs, in particular signs on the building. If uh, some tenants will want marquee signage uh, at the, at the, on the exterior of the building at the top of the building, but you probably don't want to grant that to every tenant in the building. First off, if you've got a major tenant that occupies a a large portion of the building, if you give a sign to them and you also give a sign to a, to a tenant that occupies a relatively small portion of the building, the, the, the larger tenant's gonna feel like, well, you know, why are we paying you know, so much more in rent and so forth if any tenant in the building can get the same benefits that we get? And then, you know, just part of uh, the old rules, what's the three cardinal rules of real estate? Location, location, location. And, and that needs to go into your analysis. And then what I'd say the best for last would be the legal analysis of the property. And the legal analysis uh, is where you need your second member of your team, your real estate attorney, uh, and the leases need to be abstracted to make sure that there aren't any strange provisions um, like early termination clauses. Uh, some tenants will negotiate those, particularly new businesses, or businesses that aren't sure if this particular location is going to be successful might have the option two years down the road uh, to terminate the lease. Uh, if you're purchasing a property and you think it's a five-year lease and they're gone in two years, that's going to change all of your financial expectations. Um, the, the second thing that needs to be looked into is just typical title and survey uh, considerations, making sure that the owner has good title to the property and that they convey it to you. And then zoning, uh, you wanna make sure the property has the proper zoning so that, that the tenants can operate in the building. Um, typically that's gonna be general business or business office zoning. And so that gives you just an overview of investing in office properties 
and stay tuned for the next episode, which is going to be key lease office provisions. And thank you for tuning in. Invest wisely. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Diversification Podcast. Did you enjoy the episode? Visit www.rediversification.com to tune in to more exciting episodes and free information and tools that will help you succeed. Leave us a review and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and our other social media channels at the RED Podcast. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Missouri Bar Advertising Disclosure. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.